Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Solace, and with me, as always, is my very, very talented friend, who is a true inspiration to us all, the mixtress, DC Gina. Hi, Louise. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I want to be just like you, Gina. You do? You want to be covered in chicken yeah. shit in, the, in Frederick <laughs> County? <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs> it's chick season, and that has a whole nother meaning for you. That doesn't, it, you know, the rest of us may go somewhere else with it, but it's chick season, right? It is chick season. We have, um, so we're at my uh, little farm up here in Frederick, and uh, we got a whole bunch of little chicks that came in, and we have ducklings, and, and I am the mama of many, not only just to my human children, but to all of my little twerpy little friends who are tweeting. You got a lot of chicks in your life, huh? <laughs> I surround myself with chicks. I'm totally into it. Some would call me a foul chick, if you will. <laughs> but I'm, uh, I'd rather be foul than correct. There you go. All right. Sorry. All right. Let's bad mom joke. No, right off the bat. This is, this is not a I good know, sign. Where's Neil? He's probably going to be psyched. He's like, she used the word foul three times. Great. <laughs> And we don't even have the guest on the show yet. All right, let's bring it back together. Let's try to do this, okay? So, like I said, you're a true inspiration for many because of your service work. And so I looked this up in the dictionary, and I know it's hard to believe. Okay, I went to dictionary.com. Let's be honest. No one has a dictionary anymore. I think I used that before. Uh, But (laughs) looked up the word service in the dictionary and being of service specifically. And what it means is being of service to something, a person, a group, a community, a cause or belief means that you've chosen to engage without expectation Mm -hmm. of anything in return. Yeah. And I think that especially today in this world, in this space, really need more of this, right? Um, in, in the world we live today where acceptance isn't always on the menu and it feels like we're actually losing ground, not gaining it, it's so important that we actively do what we can to be the change in the world that we want to see. We have to take it on ourselves. Activism is a must. It's not a luxury. So today's designated drinker is exactly who we need to help us understand the power we have to make an impact Please welcome the Outreach and Communication Education Manager of HIPS, Alex Bradley. Welcome to the show, Alex. Hi. It's nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So first, before we can get started in anything else, what the hell is HIPS? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> HIPS is, because it's such an ambiguous name, right? And there's, there's kind of a point to that. Yeah. Um, so that we can kind of fly under the radar sometimes and not always alert certain people to what we're doing. Um, but HIPS is um, a service and advocacy and just kind of general harm reduction organization um, for a variety of folks. We prioritize uh, people who are engaged in the sex trade, um, people who use drugs, and LGBTQ plus uh, individuals. Um, But we really serve uh, a ton of folks, mostly anybody who we come into cross with who needs support in the way that we can give it to them. Um, But those are the folks who kind of generally come to our door. Um, We've been around since 1993. We have grown tremendously in the past couple of years. I am kind of in rapid correspondence with the overdose crisis that we've been seeing here in the district and across the country, but um, really in the district, we were a little bit ahead of the curve, unfortunately, in a bad way. Um, but we've we've grown to be quite a um, 
robust organization. We do the best we can. We're still small and scrappy in the way we deliver things. You can only grow so quickly, so fast. Um, but we have a um, syringe service program uh, for folks to use drugs, overdose prevention services. Um, we do safer sex education and supply distribution um, for anybody who needs it. Um, we have a gender affirming care clinic, HIV and hepatitis C clinic. Wow. Um, and we also provide kind of referrals and navigation for things like mat housing, non-medical case management, wow. um, as well as a drop-in center that does, you know, daily needs like food and clothing and, um, things like that. So that's a lot. That's a lot to unpack. <laughs> so, so. And, and thank you. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. But let, let's back up just a little yeah. bit, if you don't mind. Sure. You, from when we spoke the other day, correct me if I'm wrong, and please do so. I am often. Uh, <laughs> you started volunteering there in 1993? Oh, goodness, no. no <laughs> that's no. when we started. No, you yeah. started. No, in 1993, you would have been like two. <laughs> Good Lord. A little older, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I started in 2015. Yes. Um, but we've been around since 93. 93, yeah. Hips has been around mm-hmm. since 93. Yes. So what drew you there? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. Um, you know, it's I've always been, as I've grown older, the it has honed in my understanding that like service and community needs to start as local as possible. And so I, you know, I think when a lot of times when you're young and you grow up in certain contexts, like there's these ideas of, you know, you got to do things at the national level and it's big, got to be big and you got to do that, you know, everything at once. And the older I got um, and the more connected to support networks and community and care that I got, the clearer it became how hyper-local was actually like far more important and impactful and like the only way we can make those bigger changes in fact is by starting at home and yeah. in the community um there's even greater meaning in that you start with at home literally literally, literally yourself. <laughs> yeah exactly and with your own like community and network um and yeah so I just I really um wanted to find a space that both was um had my values, um, shared my values, shared my belief systems, and also was hyper-local and and took care of, like, very directly in your backyard. And so, you know, I had worked for a couple of national organizations, felt very, like, I mean, every nonprofit is in some way, like, a little bit affected by the nonprofit industrial complex, but the further down you get and the closer to the ground you get and the more rooted in community you get, the more distance you can get from some of those toxic structures. And um, I actually was volunteering for the D.C. Rape Crisis Center in 2011 when hips crossed my path. We were getting trained on um, how to provide support for people who are engaging in sex work because we do get calls. People are sexually assaulted all the time who are doing sex work. Um, and so we would get a lot of calls to that hotline. And so they came into the training and I was like, I was not quite like old enough, quite ready yet, quite enmeshed enough in the DC community. I had moved here in 2011 and, and that was when I was doing that training. So I was like, I need some time before I have the level of experience and connection that I need. But I was like, put a pin in that place. And then once I got my feet wet and kind of was more connected to the community, I really dove in in 2015 and was like, okay, it's time. And like I can say my entire life shifted because of getting to hips in 2015. Like it went from, you know, me being very um, like isolated and not having like a strong friend group here and not having a strong community of my own 
to now pretty much everybody in my life and community is somehow related to the hip sphere, whether it's uh, folks who receive services there, including myself, uh, folks who work there, including myself, folks who volunteer, which is my past. Um, so I've really tried to like, I don't know, it's it's been for a lot of us, it's, this is not just my story. I think this is probably like two thirds of the HIP staff or volunteer communities that we find a mutual community like there. And that's how we, I don't know, that's why we're so committed to it because it is our community. We yeah. are the people we serve. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So it's more family. It is, it is. Which has its, you know, challenges, right? Of course. Yeah. No, okay. All family, whether you're born into it or not, are <laughs> yes. there's problems in there. <laughs> there's going to be drama. Or you chose them. Right. Yeah. I yeah. have a lot of chosen family things to hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the ones you were born with, you don't get much choice in that matter, do you? So uh, sometimes you meet the friends too that you don't um, you know you become like this person's so annoying to me but I can't not be a part of their life. Yep. <laughs> like yeah. So I'm a bartender, right, Alex? Yes. That's what I did. I had where you have a community of like you know your you know your services you do. Yeah. I feel like the bartenders commit um, like run community as well. Yes. Especially when you have like what they call regulars. Yep. And like you are so fucking involved in their lives and you don't even know if you didn't even like choose that you work at a place and you're like involved like you know yep. everything that's going on nope same. No, I so, hear you so it's, it's the same at hips yeah. <laughs> so you know it's funny you say that Janine you know me you know my normal places that I go to just the other day it was funny as I was bringing something up and who I was the bartender was talking about like oh yeah you mean when you did xxx and x and I was like Oh, I did tell you, and it, you remembered. Like I didn't, wow. I didn't remember telling them. <laughs> but they totally re, re, like recapped the story that That's I told them. So I was like, funny. They definitely know me. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> And they're my family, so. I've worked service industry. I feel that, Gina. <laughs> but it's true. I think that like that's something that um, you know, very, very, very basic. Is 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 uh, you know where you gather? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, your community, your community is where you gather. Yes, you know, whether absolutely. It's you go to a bar, you're a gym. You know, you go to the gym. Mm-hmm. You go to you know I don't know a park on 14th. I don't know wherever right. you gather. I go to a bar next community. to a gym. Does that count? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that counts. <laughs> That's what I tell myself too. I'm like, this bar is right across the street from the bakery. I feel great about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, I'm more looking for the dispensary bakery term. I'm like, oh, is this dispensary next to this bakery? That sounds fucking great to me. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Um, I shouldn't say that. Um, I should say that. Genius I, business. Yeah. That's genius entrepreneurship is what it is. Exactly. And you should know both places. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right? <laughs> So at, as the outreach manager, mm-hmm. you, you, I mean, it seems like a pretty daunting task. It can be. Yeah. Um, what does that mean? So you have a lot of people yeah. that don't know like that means. What yep. does that yeah. mean? You're an outreach manager. Go. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? Um, so outreach um, is anything that kind of exists beyond the four walls of our brick and mortar building. Um, a lot of service organizations, nonprofits have a place where people can go, a center, something like that. Um, but a kind of core tenant of harm reduction as a philosophy and as a way of providing service 
is meeting people where they are, and we take that quite literally. So we actually have a couple of different ways we do that. We have a, mo- a mobile van that goes out and does deliveries. We do rolling outreach, by which I mean we're literally riding down the street, stopping when people flag us down or scream hips at my window. My window is always open. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, we have street outreach, which is... Um, Going to locations where we know people congregate and just like going there and, and, and stopping the car and getting out and like getting folks what they need and talking to them and having conversations, um, which has looked so many different ways uh, over the years. I mean, I've like sat around campfires with folks and, you know, it's, it's just it's whatever folks need, whatever we can do. Um, where that gets tricky is the line kind of gets blurry um, about like when your job begins and ends. Because anytime somebody sees you, they're like, it's Hibs. And I'm like, I actually live here, but okay, hello, yeah. let's get <laughs> um, But it's one of the really yeah. beautiful things about being on outreach is like how much you become like, well, I mean, ideally, you are, how, how much there is like nesting within the community and just becoming like a part of people's lives, people's communities, people's um, like mutual support systems. Um, we also do the other piece of outreach beyond kind of the direct service portion is we do a lot of community education. So, um, that means a lot of different things. It means we have a very, very like robust training for our own staff and volunteers. It's about 40 plus hours, um, that folks go through to, to do direct service work at HIPS. Um, but we adapt a lot of those trainings for the public as well. Um, so we do things like overdose prevention and naloxone trainings. Um, we do gender uh, 101 trainings. A lot of folks are trying to have more cultural competency around like gender and sexuality. So we've done a lot of those. Um, we do harm reduction 101 trainings. What the heck is harm reduction? How do I incorporate it into my medical practice or any number of other things? Um, so yeah, so that's like, it's, it's a big bucket. Um, we share a lot with, um, advocacy as well. We do have an advocacy team that is technically separate. Um, but we all bleed over a lot into each other. And I think one of the beautiful things about pairing the way advocacy and outreach kind of work like hand in hand is that like HIPS really values one of the tenets of harm reduction, which is like centering client or community voices, um, and that looks like having almost all of our staff be people who are like former, current community members, clients, people who are represented by the groups we serve. But it also looks like us really, really, really tapping into the greater community that we serve in order to get like feedback on what we should be fighting for. Um, so like that looks like having a drug user union um, that exists at HIPS and like meets um, or did meet fairly regularly before COVID and we're re- reintroducing that now as we start to be able to meet outside and do things. Um, we have a sex workers advocacy coalition, SWAC, um, which like organizes folks. Um, we fought for the decriminalization of drug paraphernalia in DC and one, we're currently fighting for the decrim of sex work and drug possession. So, I mean, we like, it's a comprehensive place, which means a lot of us are doing a lot of things at any given time, but there is kind of a natural symbiotic relationship between advocacy and outreach because we do the intel work and go talk to people and bring that back to the advocacy team and say, here's what people are saying, or here's what we heard, or here are the things that people need. And that can look like, you know, when we draft a bill, it looks like, oh, you know, 
we, we sh can't just be doing decrim. We need to also be talking about 24-hour harm reduction centers because folks need services 24-7. Or we need overdose prevention sites so that folks have a safe place to go. Or we need, um, you know, a 24-hour center for folks to, uh, like, go and prepare for a night out on, and, like, doing dates and getting... Uh, you know, all any any number of things that we've talked to folks in the community about, and every service that we have has been informed by the community. We didn't have a gender affirming hormone like and and care clinic a couple of years ago. That that happened because there was a need, and the community was like, "We have a need. Can you help us?" And Hips is always like, "We'll try." And then we just overwork ourselves and figure it out. But we figure it out, and now we have this incredible like opportunity for folks to get their care at Hips, and it looks. As someone in that clinic, it looks so different um, when it's like by and for people who are really invested in making sure that you're taken care of and supported in, in ways that not everyone else is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Hopefully that answered. No, that that's, was a lot. <laughs> that's a lot, but it's amazing. It's amazing what you offer. And, and as you were like laying it out, it also seems like it's if somebody is looking to figure out how maybe they can give back it seems like of all levels of, of, um, I mean, like you went to grad school. Mm -hmm. There is a place for somebody out of grad school who mm -hmm. can donate their time totally. and their expertise Absolutely. and their and their bank of knowledge and mm -hmm. talents. And then there's also places for people who don't, who aren't, who are yeah. in a different place altogether. They can that are talking about the need base. It's mm -hmm. so vast, is what yep. I'm saying. Is there's so much room for just about anybody to be able to give. Absolutely. And we need everyone at the table. We absolutely need everyone at the table because we need most most importantly, to center the community we serve, yeah. most specifically. But then we also need we need allies, we need folks in the broader community because we can't do it ourselves. And the more we have to concentrate all that work into just us versus like building out a network that can like advocate in ways that we can't or get listened to, unfortunately, in ways that we don't often. Yes. I mean, it's yeah, we don't we don't show up the way that a lot of other folks do. <laughs> but I mean that but the work that you do, I mean it's it really it it seems like it's an organization for and I'm saying this not making it flip it, but the in the in the opposite. There's a lot of opportunity to, to give. There's yeah. a lot of opportunity where you could find a place that if you have a talent or a Absolutely. specialty or an ex and you have mm -hmm. some expertise in something, you have a lot. You have there's a lot of space that could Absolutely. ask for your needs. I think a lot of what I've found is uh, a lot of folks who have come through HIPS, either even volunteer, peer, staff, any any nature, is someone who in some way feels like they're giving back because of something they already like received from HIPS or from the broader community. Like I would say most of us have said that at some point, like that we just felt like we needed to like return to the community what has been given to us because a lot of us found our our way mm -hmm. um, because of this like very specific community. And it makes HIPS a unique place. I don't know that a lot of like workplaces are like that, yeah. but it's it it also blurs the line, yeah. right? It blurs your boundaries a little bit, but it's um it is a it is a a very special place in that way. But don't you think you have to though, like like you have to almost erase those lines in order to understand what other people yeah. are going through. Exactly. There's no way that you can walk into there with like this definitive exactly and, and see what that's like exactly i truly believe um alex is in the um decriminalization and also making it legal for sex workers and i feel like 
that would give people a safe place to do perform their service mm -hmm. that people want because otherwise if no one wanted it that it would not have anybody buying it right <laughs> exactly and give them a safe space in order to receive the care that they need just like everybody else insurance mm -hmm. and and with that goes the other things too taxes and all the things so on that note I'm gonna give you my service. Here we go. Oh, my right. Service. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm yes. gonna give you a tip. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. So we are talking about garnishing, garnishing your cocktails, right? So what do we have today? We're gonna do like a little layering effect with your um, lemons and your strawberries and a little bit of pepper. And I really wanted to talk to you about this because like I go to a lot of places and I see like the lemons cut like all crazy. Um, and this is really how you do it, right? So garnishes will call for different things. They'll say, okay, I need a wheel. Well, this is what a wheel is in a cocktail recipe. It is legitimately what that sounds like, is one wheel. The wheel should be thick enough to hold, not flimsy enough, and you can give it a little cut. And if you want to and get really, really fancy, you can dig out the little seeds in there and really make it a better experience. And when you have a wheel, you have a little lip, and then it sits on your glass like so. When you're cutting a garnish for, like, say, like, uh, a strawberry, you know, you have a couple of different ways to do it, and it is berry season, so this is very relative information. You will cut it in half, and you can cut it down the center, and then you kind of want to like show the inside because it's like the best part of it. So we showed you how to make that wheel, right? Well, that's another way to use that wheel. Well, when you're making a cocktail that calls for a layering effect is, or muddled, is when you take your lemon, and you'll put it in the bottom of your glass, and you'll take like something like a strawberry, and you'll cut it the same, or you like, and you try to cut it the same width as the lemon, and you kind of, and you put it inside of your glass on the same way. You're gonna put it in sideways, great. Add your ice, muddle it, however you're gonna do it. But what you're looking for in your garnish game and how to do the drink is that everything is kind of somewhat, even though they're not shaped, even though they're not shaped the same, they are the same width, and that way it'll give you the same amount of juice, and you can make the cocktail you know, a little bit more exceptional. So there you go, you got a little strawberry lemon sandwich. And that's how you use a wheel. Basically, garmage work. That's also like sex, um, but that's, in, that's sex in the kitchen. So when you have really sexy garnish, that really makes you like a hot, a hot commodity. It's true. Okay, there we go. Because sex sells. Okay. It's true. Hey, <laughs> don't I know it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Gina, where are they going to go to get all these tips and tricks? You're going to go to Designated Drinker Not Show for your tips, tricks, and how-tos and um, how not to cut yourself. Okay, that's all important. That's very, very important because I, like I like all my digits. So, Alex, as we bring part one to a close, can you just leave our listeners just one little snippet about why they should serve? That's a good question. Um, I, I almost would say how... I think it's about how to serve. I mean, yeah. there is, there are ways to show up for service in all different capacities for all different kinds of things to believe in. Um, I would say how is is start in your community, start um, close to home, because I think we lose track of our own, the way we maybe even just like ignoring our own 
surroundings, our own networks right by us. We get so lost in the big picture that we you know, miss the forest for the trees. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, service, service starts with something that is meaningful to you. Um, service means having an understanding of where and how you are finding ways to tap into your strengths and the things that you can provide that the community actually needs. Sometimes we, in our excitement to do service, start throwing things out there that people never ask for. <laughs> um, and instead of really connecting in and asking questions and doing those deep conversations to figure out, like, what do people actually need? Or what is missing? Or how can I specifically show up in a way that's helpful? And I don't mean that to be like, you know, you're not doing it right or whatever, yeah. but we all bring something different to the table. Tap into the things that you are passionate about, that you are good at, that you have like deep care for and skills for, and then ask the questions. What do you actually need? What Because we just want to make sure that we're showing up productively, showing up in ways that are that are going to be mutually supportive. And the more that we talk to each other and communicate, the better we can do that. Absolutely. Um, and one last thing I will say is service is not a one-way act. Um, and it's not a thing that we should show up thinking that we're some kind of like white knight or savior or martyr or anything like that. If you're in a position where you think only you're providing a service, but you're not part of a community that provides service to each other, you might want to take a step back. <laughs> Um, cause then we might be coming from a dangerous place where we see ourselves as separate from yeah. the community or separate from the people we are serving, um, versus in community with people and meeting each other's needs and providing support to each other. Yeah. So. I think to that point to add what just hearing you speak brings me to the fact that give where you where your heart is, mm -hmm. because then you're giving honestly mm -hmm. and graciously and um, and with truth and, and, and yeah. love, as opposed to superficial, see me do this thing. Exactly. Wonderful. That's a great way to close part one of this episode with um, Alex Bradley. Um, but again, if you're anything like Gina and I, we never just have one round. So uh, top off that drink and get ready to check out part two of this episode as we continue our boozy banter um, about celebrating pride, diversity, and acceptance. And uh, Jean's going to serve up uh, yet another uh, pride-worthy Alex This Time-inspired cocktail recipe in part two. Love it. Cheers, ladies. Cheers. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company that is dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers Bobby and Mike Carducci. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts.
Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows. Your review helps our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.